and welcome to episode four of Game of Wines, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I'm Olivia. I'm Gabby. And I'm Chris. Today we will be discussing Catelyn 1 in A Game of Thrones, so make sure you have read the chapter before listening. Um, before we start, I wanted to clarify a couple of things. So at the end of each episode, like you've noticed, we will have two to three questions that we will be discussing together. And then after the episode is released on Mondays, I will be posting the questions we discussed on Facebook, and we would love for you guys to answer them. Um, and then in the next episode, we will read some of your responses in the beginning of the episode and give you guys a shout out. So I'm sorry if there was any confusion about that in the previous episodes. Just wanted to clarify that. And then some exciting news. Starting today, we are going to have two new segments in the beginning before we start talking about the details of the chapter. So the first new segment is news. And so Chris will be reading some news updates about the Game of Thrones slash A Song of Ice and Fire world every episode. Some fun stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the second segment is Martin Message. So the author of the books, George R.R. Martin, has a blog and he puts out um, regular blog posts. So I will be reading his most recent blog post after the news. So it kind of gives us a little look into the author's life. And that's about it. So, Chris, with that, what are the updates? News today. Start with the news. So, news, um, I just thought this was funny and interesting. So, we're all doing this COVID lockdown stuff. According to Indian Express, the most pirated show um, during the lockdown was Game of Thrones. Um, And that's worldwide. So, that means Game of Thrones beat out some popular... Shows like Rick and Morty, Walking (laughs) Dead, and The Mandalorian. So the list goes as follows. Um, Game of Thrones, number one. Uh, Then you had Rick and Morty at number two. My Hero Academia at three. The Walking Dead, four. SpongeBob SquarePants came in at five. (laughs) The 100 uh, at six. Uh, Mandalorian, seven. The Flash at eight. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at 9, and then Harley Quinn came in at 10. So, good for Game of Thrones. I'm surprised no shows like The Office or anything weren't on there. Well, I feel these like are those pirated. Are... Oh, yeah. Oh. So, these are ones that you probably don't Netflix. have access to. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I was going to say, it's glad, I'm glad to know that Spongebob hasn't died yeah. yet. <laughs> Still going strong for Spongebob. Yeah. Apparently, they're pirating it. Yeah, I guess so. All right, so this week's Martin message, this was written on July 31st. It says, life is hard when you're a Jets fan. Kermit knows the truth. And then on the blog, he puts a link to the video where Kermit sings, it's so hard being green. The New York Jets, having not won a Super Bowl since 1969 or been in the playoffs since 2010, often have very high draft picks. Sometimes they select a bust. In those cases, the players are cut. Sometimes, however, they get really terrific premium talent, the kind of generational player you can build a contender around. In those cases, the Jets get a few years out of the player and then trade him away (laughs) for more draft picks, which they then use to select more players who will either be busts or be terrific players, who will then be traded away (laughs) for more draft picks. (laughs) Daryl Revis, Chad Pennington, and now Jamal Adams. If Sam Darnold's Turner turns out to be a franchise quarterback, an all-pro player, a future Hall of Famer, one wonders where they will send him and what draft picks will get. 
If he turns out to be a bust, of course, we'll keep him just until we draft the next franchise quarterback. The New York Jets, building for the future since 1969. (laughs) So I guess, New York Jets fans, do you guys all have the same frustrations as Martin does? (laughs) (laughs) I honestly didn't know he was a Jets fan. That's interesting. All right, so last week's questions on our social medias. Um, the first one was, if you had to pick something as your house sigil, what would it be? Um, CC said, I am kind of like Gabby. I am Slytherin for Harry Potter, but I feel like my attitude is very fiery, to say the least. So a dragon for sure would be my house sigil, which I agree with her for that. I like that. Um, Lexi said a terrier, which... I mean, she kind of goes Because her dog Mochi. Yeah, Boston Terriers yeah. all the time. Um, Clayton said dragon, or it ha- or if it had to fit my personality, a panda. Oh my that gosh. That made me giggle. That is so true. <laughs> um, Hannah said a phoenix, and Emily said a dire wolf. Nice. Um, the next question was, what would you name your dire wolf? Um, Cece said if she had a black dire wolf that was a boy, she would name it Hades. Ooh, that's a good that's, one. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Um, Lexi said if it was white, she would name it Snowball. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. That is cute. Clayton said Ice, which I think is, I thought if that it was, was cool. a, I think if it was a white one, yeah. that would be perfect. Yeah. Um, Hannah also said Phoenix. <laughs> so Phoenix for her <laughs> sigil and for her yes, I like it. Okay. Um, and Emily said Arya, which, oh, that's, yeah, it's cute. I like that. All right. And then the third question was, why was Bran told not to look away during the beheading. What would his dad say or feel if he found out that Bran had had looked away? Um, Cece said, if Bran would have looked away, I feel like initially Ned would have give him the whole, this is the way things have always be done. It is best to learn how now how important loyalty and tradition is kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I agree. He would yeah. have gotten a whole lecture. Feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lexi said he would have told, he would tell him to man up, which, I mean, is essentially the whole thing. Like, yeah. Face your fears. For sure. Um, Clayton said, Bran couldn't look away because he would have, have to do it one day. He has to understand the weight of his actions. Ned would feel disappointed and tell Bran that those are not the actions of a future warden of the North. That is so mm. true. That's, facts. I feel like we, we talked a lot about that in the, <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about that in this episode yeah. and. Last episode, we talked a lot about it, too. Um, Hannah says... Wow, you guys are... I love that they're, like, giving such detailed love. <laughs> it. Um, Hannah said, I think Bran was told not to look away because it's imperative that he understands what it truly means to rule as Warden of the North. If he were to have looked away, I think Ned would, would be disappointed and tell him that if he is to rule, then he needs to understand the weight of his actions. Executions are not to be made light of and deserve the respect of his attention. Wow. Yeah. That was a good answer. Um, imperative. That, yeah. Good word. Yeah. You said some big words. All right. And then Emily said he needed to experience the weight of death because soon he would be the one who had who had this responsibility. His dad would probably say this too. He needs to know that he cannot look weak for the people he rules over and that no matter what, rules must be upheld. I like the... Like, the weight of it. Yeah. I feel like we talked a lot about that last yes. episode. Absolutely. So maybe he's he was doing it when he was so young to show him, like, how serious it is. Yeah. And make that impression on him when he's still young. Exactly. So, yeah, that guy. Thanks for answering, guys. Yes. Yeah, keep the you. Keep the answers coming. Um, okay, so last episode we traveled to Westeros. Um, more specifically, the house 
the place of House Stark, which is Winterfell. And we met the Stark men and we found some dire wolves. And Bran, at seven years old, watched his father behead a deserter for the first time ever. So Today we're still there. Um, <laughs> we'll be talking about Lady Catelyn Stark today. Um, she receives a letter stating that someone has passed away. Someone that is kind of important to everyone here. Um, and we find out that the king is coming to Winterfell. And we find out that the king and Ned might be buddies. Um, and that Catelyn uh, feels the need that she needs to go travel to see her sister. Um, so we'll find that all out today. But Gabby? All right. So the wine we're drinking today um, is called the Dreaming Tree. It's a, um, you know, I'm going to butcher this. So, nope. You say it, Chris. It's a Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously I'm not French. Um, <laughs> but it was kind of cool. On the neck of the bottle, it says, Standing here, the old man said to me, Long before these crowded streets, here stood the dreaming tree. Hmm. So I picked it because, I mean, just keep keep the word tree in mind. Yeah. That's we'll why. explain it as usual when it gets to that point. Right, and some ASMR, because I know i got a couple people that like that. The goods. I like that we have an ASMR segment in the our goods. Okay. Well, we're gonna try. I'm going to try it. We're going to... Honest opinion. Ooh. It's good. I'm not usually a fan of this kind of wine, but this isn't bad. Yeah. yeah. Not too shabby. All right, let's get started. <laughs> All right. So, as we said, this chapter is in Catelyn's point of view, and I kind of wanted to give a little character profile on Catelyn before we start. Catelyn is said to be beautiful with fair skin, long auburn hair, and blue eyes. She has long fingers and high cheekbones, and she re- resembles her own mother, Minisa Wint. Catelyn is a head shorter than her younger brother, and slightly taller than her eldest child, Rob Stark. Uh, Catelyn tries to follow the words of House Tully, which is her maiden name, family, duty, honor. She is proud, honorable, and honest, although some things she looks down on small folk. She is peaceful and holds duty over desire, but she is fiercely protective of her beloved family. She is wise and cunning. Catelyn holds the faith of the seven. Her attire includes gowns and a woolen dress of Tully, red, and blue. So the chapter starts out with a little bit of history of where Catelyn is from. So like I said, Catelyn's maiden name is Tully, and House Tully comes from River Run. River Run is where the Tully house resides. It is located roughly in the center of the continent of Westeros, and with few geographical boundaries such as mountains. And for centuries, it has been a borderland between surrounding strong kingdoms. Catelyn means pure, and Tully means flood, peaceful, or hill, which is kind of symbolizing the Riverlands and where she's from. Yeah, because the flooding. I imagine Riverlands flood. Yeah, and like have a lot of rivers and stuff yeah. and hills and everything. Well, and Chris, earlier you talked about how she's... River Run is like, River Run is like the border between the two kingdoms. Yeah, two big houses. And she kind of does yeah. that too. Now she is a Stark that lives in Winterfell. Compared to River Run, Winterfell is dark, primal, has lots of forests, and the castle is gloomy. And then it says um, 
She's looking for Ned, and she knows that after Ned takes someone's life, he would seek the quiet of the godswood. So the godswood are wooden sanctuaries enclosed within a castle's walls that have been set aside as places of worship and meditation dedicated to the old gods of the forest. They are centered around a single heart tree, usually a weirwood tree with a face carved into the trunk. So that's why I picked the dreaming tree because the weirwood trees are kind of big in this chapter. Yes. Yeah. And more on weirwood. A weirwood is a species of tree found all over Westeros. It has white bark with five-pointed blood-red leaves and sap. The heart trees are weirwood trees with faces carved on their barks found in the center of God's woods. Um, And then it says the children of the forest are thought to have carved these faces that decorated the heart trees. And for this reason, Ed calls it a heart tree. And it says each kingdom has their own God's wood. Starks use it for worship, but the Tullys used it for walking, reading, or laying down because they are both of different faiths. So Catelyn was anointed with the seven oils and is of the faith of the seven. The faith of the seven is often just referred to as the faith, and it is the dominant religion in most of the seven kingdoms. Followers of this faith are rare in the North and on the Iron Islands, so that's why we don't really see it with the Starks as much but it's more common from where Cat- Catelyn is from because she's from down south. Uh, members of the faith worship the seven who are one, a single deity with seven aspects or faces. For the less educated, however, this concept is often dif- difficult to grasp and it causes them to often just believe that there are seven different gods. Um, depending on their need, worshipers pray to the specific faces of the seven. And the seven faces are... The father, the mother, the warrior, the smith, the maiden, the crone, and the stranger. Um, There are also different positions people can take when part of the faith, such as priests or priestesses or high septon, among others. Um, I will post articles on this faith because there's a lot to read about on this and it would take me forever. I could do a whole episode on just the faith of the seven. So I will post that so y'all can read into that later. Well, basically, there's a bunch of religions in Westeros. Yeah. Yeah. And this, the, uh, the one that specifically that we're talking about is common in the South and not in the North. So um, the Stark's religion, the nameless and the faceless of the Greenwood, the old gods, um, shared, the, the children of the forest shared that religion as well. Um The old gods are nameless deities of stream, forest, and stone, and they're worshipped in the seven kingdoms of Westeros and beyond the wall. Worship of the old gods is mostly practiced in the north and among wildlings. Um, And like Olivia said, we'll post the article to Facebook because there's a lot. The children of the forest, who were thought to have carved the faces into these weirwood trees were known as a mysterious non-human race who were reportedly the original inhabitants of the continent of Westeros. So they were already there when the first men migrated to the continent um, 12,000 years before Robert's Rebellion. They resemble humans but are significantly smaller, no larger than a human child. And they have round, soft faces with disproportionately large and expressive eyes that are very wide-set. Which I think is kind of creepy. I don't know. I find big eyes kind of creepy. Um, pale gray-green skin with a rough texture. 
They only had hair on their heads. They didn't have eyebrows or any kind of other bodily hair. They only have four fingers on each hand and they live a very long time, like tens of thousands of years. I have a question. Okay. Do you think, like, even though they're, like, the size of kids, do you think their, like, um, features age? Like, do you think they actually age even though they don't get taller or anything? So mm. do you think they look like really short old people? <laughs> Maybe. That'd be kind That's of what I'm trying. I'm kind of like... That'd be kind of creepy. Yeah. I was kind of, like, imagining that in my head, but... In the South, all of the weirwoods had been burned down or cut up thousands of years ago, except on the Isle of Faces. Um, this is why it's not common where Catlin is from to have that kind of tree. Um, but every castle in the North had their own weirwood tree. As we said before, Caitlin went to find Ned after his return to Winterfell from the beheading, um, just to kind of talk to him about some stuff. And she found him cleaning his sword in the God's Wood. Um, Ned kind of asked her about the children, and Catelyn says they're all up in the kitchen naming their puppies, um, and that their youngest, Rickon, is afraid of his dire wolf. <laughs> and Ned kind of uses that as being able to say, well, they need to face their fears because winter is coming. Um, and this is where we hear the first, for the first time, the family words for the Starks. Um, every family in the Seven Kingdoms has their own words, which are like their motto. And we'll discuss more of those words as we meet more of the houses. Um, but then they go on to talk about the man who was just beheaded. And it's said that he's the fourth deserter of the wall this year. Um, the deserter was half mad and Ned saw, said he saw something in this guy's eyes that had to have put fear deep into his soul. So he had to have seen something. Mm -hmm. I mean, terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ned had heard from his brother that is on the wall and is part of Night's Watch, um, that the Night's Watch is actually dwindling. Um, there's less than a thousand men and they're not just losing men to like desertings. They're losing them on rangings as well, which they're blaming on the wildlings. But I mean, from what we already know, it kind of, they're kind of just in denial and mm -hmm. don't want to accept or believe that there are white walkers that still exist. Yeah. Um, and then Ned kind of talks about how the king beyond the wall, who is Mance Raider, um, probably will need to be talked to if they keep losing men. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they're kind of like in denial. Yeah. They're not quite sure what's going on, but they don't want to think that it is the White Walkers. Yeah. Throughout, throughout this chapter, everyone keeps saying, oh, the others, the others are dead. So there's nothing to be afraid about. And everyone is convinced that they're already, that they're gone. There's no such thing. So we can tell already from the prologue that that's not true. Um, there clearly is something north of the wall that's doing something. Um, so Ned finally says, okay, woman, kind of out with it. What do you want to say? Um, <laughs> you know, why did you come here to talk to me? Um, and then Catelyn, you know, drops the bomb on him here. Um, she tells Ned that John Aaron is dead. So John Aaron, as of currently, was the hand of the king uh, to Robert Baratheon. Um, he's also the head of House Aaron, whose titles include Lord of the Eyrie, Defender of the Vale, and the Warden of the East. John Aaron served as the Hand of the King for Robert Baratheon from 283 AC until his unexpected death now in 298 AC. Um, he's also the husband of Lady Liza Aaron, uh, who is Catelyn's sister and father of a child named Lord Robert Aaron. Um, and he acted as a second father actually to Lord Eddard Stark and King Robert. So they both were in the in the Erie, um, and he 
was like a second father to them. And for those of you who have seen the show, Lord Robert Aaron, it actually goes by Robin Aaron in the show. And from what I read, they basically didn't want to confuse the two. They didn't want people confused Robert and Robert Aaron. So Yeah, because I'm sure if somebody was just talking about like, oh, Robert did this, they were like, which Robert? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Made it more distinguishable. Yeah. So like I said, Ned was a ward of the Erie for a while during his childhood, along with Robert Baratheon. Fifteen years ago, they stood together to wed two sisters in River in River Run, Catelyn and her sister Liza. So Lord Aaron married Liza, and Ned married Catelyn. Um, so they became brothers-in-law, uh, just to connect the families even more. So right now, Catelyn's saying that she wants to go be with her sister in her time of grief, um, and I suspect that there's another reason why she wants to go be with her sister in her time of grief because also. The king is coming to Winterfell. <laughs> so, um, and Ned remarks that he hasn't seen the king in years. And it's kind of funny because Ned kind of remarks in the book about like, he's like, oh, he always does this. Like, he never tells me when he's coming. Now he's just showing up. And you know when he shows up that it's the king. So he's going to bring all these people with him. And I think he says something like 30 knights and all of their squires and everyone with them. So yep. it's not just Robert. Robert is literally bringing... It feels like half the kingdom. Everybody and their moms. Right. Everybody's got to show up. <laughs> Everybody and, and their so, moms. You know, it's, it's, you're just bringing in all these uninvited. He didn't, he just said, I'm showing up. He didn't, he didn't really even ask. He didn't he ask. Call. He just shows up. Um, oh, boy. So we, I think that's the reason why Catelyn's like, I should go visit my sister because she's sad. But I think <laughs> that's, uh, there's another reason there. It's an excuse to not stay. Uh, but Ned also has some other um, bugaboos here. He doesn't like Robert's wife at all. Uh, so Robert's wife is Cersei Lannister, and Ned does not like the Lannisters. And he has a good reason behind it, because when they fought in the war before um, Robert's Rebellion, they didn't show up until they knew that victory was was had. So they didn't show up until the W was on the board. Yep. Um, and so he doesn't really trust them. They just are there to, they don't choose a side beside the winning side. So they could be on anyone's side here. So basically um, the Lannisters were just looking out for themselves. Right. Yep. They want yeah. to be on the winning side. Yep. Um, but Ned is very excited to see Robert and Catelyn is dreading it. Um, <laughs> and I'm thinking it's because like the boys are back in town kind of thing. Um, the boys are back in town. So Ned's That's like... What I was thinking too. <laughs> so, so Ned's basically like, let's roll out the red carpet, right? Let's, we know, we need a feast. We know that Robert's going to want to go hunting. We know all this. Um, and so they start doing that. And even Ned sends le uh, a letter to his brother in the Night's Watch, Benjamin Stark, and says, hey, King's coming. Like, and you should meet with the King while you're here and everything. Um, so that's kind of where the chapter ends. We know, we know that the King is coming. Mm -hmm. And and so. Catelyn is not happy about and it. Catelyn's not happy, and and we know that, you know, it's kind of bittersweet at the same time. Yeah. Because we know John Aaron, his second father, is dead. Yeah. Um. So. All right. But let's get into some discussion questions. Discussion time. Discussion time. Um. So, the first one's kind of funny. Uh, do you guys ever have a friend? Did you guys ever have a friend uh, growing up that just kind of come over unannounced in childhood, or you know, now, for instance? Gabby. All right, that would be Gabby. Gabby. She shows up at our I'm house. I'm looking at you. <laughs> okay, well, maybe you shouldn't have given me a key. Yeah, maybe. Mm, I'm not <laughs> saying I dislike it. I'm just... 
Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I guess I am. <laughs> you y'all don't have any other friend. Mm. It's oh. just me, really. <laughs> but like in childhood, did anybody have any? I was. Gonna, uh, I would. I don't, I mean, yes, but I wouldn't yeah. have, I don't think I would have considered that person a friend. Honestly, they were somebody in my neighborhood that just would harass me and I'd be like, bro. Yeah, I, I, I had, I had people come and like knock on my, my door and be yeah. like, can yeah. Olivia come out and play? Yeah, that's like, what yeah. we were talking about. Like, we've always had those kids. kids. And I didn't. We grew up without cell phones. Yeah. I mean, until we were yep. old enough to know how to use them. So, right. so like we, not like kids were like texting each other. Right. So. Um, the next question we have is, if you were in Westeros during this time, would you believe in the White Walkers and believe that they're real, or would you deny it and be like Ned? Uh, that's, I don't know. You know, because in, in a way, I kind of see them, I mean, they're like undead, quote unquote. So it's like us believing in zombies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I don't know if I would, because in a way... But like it's, not. but it's different than zombies though because yeah. they said that they did exist at some point, you know. Yeah, so true. Zombies so never like, existed. They never existed. <laughs> yeah, but like they're saying that they did exist and now they're all dead. Yeah, and I guess I like, don't know. I think it's more of like a fear, like you just don't want to think. That I think I would did I would deny it until I saw it. But yeah. I think if enough people came up to me and were like, "This is a concern. You should yeah. probably look into this," I probably would. Yeah. Yeah. So. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that's all discussion questions, so. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at A Game of Wines, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast, and on Instagram and Twitter at Game of Wines 1, and also on YouTube at Game of Wines podcast. And check out the discussion post on our Facebook page. Next week, we will be discussing Daenerys Chapter 1, so make sure you read that chapter before next episode. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you next week.